and light treason news, everyone. Pop culture, politics, and a sprinkle of treason. I'm joined today by, oh my God, what a treat. Meredith. Hello. Hello. How are you? Uh, I'm doing very well. Uh, yeah. We, uh, we were just talking about, and we're going to get to this today, how um, there is now all of this emphasis on the canceled yeah. single tier. Oh, you might not be, it's like, if you're not as bad as someone like Harvey Weinstein <laughs> or, you know, Louis C.K., although that's a bad example. Uh, Even they, they get, oh yeah, to, walk they get to walk around and, you know, we didn't give them due process because they haven't been convicted of anything. Yes. But now, yes, the canceled. There are people who have controversial ideas. Yeah, they just, you know what? We just need to, like, meet them on the middle, in the middle of, like, our women people. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I think they are, but maybe I'm wrong. Well, I mean, you, you can just disagree on that because if they're <laughs> nice otherwise, like, how will they ever decide that women are people if you don't spend the time That's educating right. them by being a person in their presence? Okay, woke people, have you considered that? Yeah, listen up, snowflakes. <laughs> <laughs> but before we get to all that, I wanted to read a recommendation somebody sent to my Patreon. And then, oh boy, do we have a lot of movies to discuss. So many movies. It is a golden age of cinema, everyone. Truly, there is so much you could go see or uh, catch on Netflix that is truly excellent. Yes, and so we might do a little extended pop culture section today just because... I think we're at a culturally important time, mm -hmm. and it's important to discuss these films. So, but before we get to that, Elliot wrote into my Patreon because they are a $5 member supporter or higher. I should say, I don't know what tier Elliot is. Any level of support is appreciated, everyone. But Elliot wrote in because it is that time where my $5 a month members can send in questions or recommendations that we'll read on Light Trees and News. So they write, I forget why I wanted to recommend this specifically, but How to Hide an Empire by Daniel Imawar is a very good book. It's an examination of U.S. history from the perspective of its colonies with a view towards A, the relationship between the mainland U.S. and its imperialized territories, and B, the changing nature of empire and world influence from the 18th century to today. It's not a short read at all, but very worth the time. And then they wrote, thank you for the podcast. It's my favorite. Oh, thanks, Elliot. Elliot, thank you. So, yeah, thank you for the recommendation. Sounds super interesting. Um, check out, everyone. Elliot recommends. And as always, you can send your recommendations. It doesn't have to be questions. You can send more than one recommendation. You can send more than one question. Let's get wild. Uh, so, films. Meredith. Did yeah. you see all three that I want to talk about? I have not seen The Lighthouse yet because okay. uh, we are back in production now. Everybody, yes. Patriot Act with Hasan Minhaj returns November 10th. Check uh, it out. Get ready. Um, and that has meant that I have had significantly less time to fuck off and go to the movies, but it is absolutely at the top of my list. By the way, if you hear a background noise, my dishwasher is running, and I apologize. <laughs> Also, to shatter the illusion, if anyone thought we were recording in a studio, we're not. We're Studios, in my apartment. LOL. Yeah. Uh, I was on Nicole Dressable's podcast, Inbox, and she was like, so, like, what's your setup at home? Like, do you have, like, a soundproof room or something? And I was like, oh, Nicole, you sweet thing. No. I'm sorry. There is not a... <laughs> Is there such a thing as a soundproof area anywhere in New York City? I think not. I know some people like soundproof like a closet and will record in a closet. But, you know, I sometimes have guests. I don't have a big enough closet to do that. Um, <laughs> but, like, sh they're on the Audio Boom Network. So they right. like actually have, like, a studio. And I was like, no, we're not fancy here. We keep it cash. Yeah. Okay, so... That's fine because, actually, the thing I want to say, the of all the films I want to talk about... It's not that I have the least to say about The Lighthouse, but I think I just have the least thoughts about it because it it's beautiful. It's a beautiful film. If you don't know anything about The White House, uh, The White House? Wow. The Lighthouse. Guys, I was out until 3 o'clock in the morning. The Lighthouse, it's uh, starring Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson. It's a black and white film. And it's beautiful, the cinematography. Yeah. It's gorgeous because, obviously, um, Eggers is playing a lot with light because mm -hmm. when you have a black and white film, uh, light is very important and light is very important to the story because it's about Lighthouse. Um, the performances are just yeah. off the wall bananas. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, my my sister saw it uh, mm-hmm. uh, on opening night in Madison, mm-hmm. um, and immediately texted me afterwards to say, "Oh, you have to see it now." You love it, uh, and also that yeah, the performances are great. That you know, has she ever been so happy about these things? It apparently has some extremely complicated uh, reading on it, so that's why I need to get to it ASAP. But I will, you know defer complicated reading on it in what sense i just they, she says she's got some ideas and she doesn't want to tell oh, me anything okay. i guess like interesting of all the you know, it's it's two dudes uh um willem dafoe seems to be the pirate from the simpsons and yes. uh robert pattinson's doing a very bostony everyone accent, everyone at all times is doing the most yeah and, and they, i yeah, appreciate that <laughs> because i feel like if they hadn't gone balls to the wall with it it would have been really boring. I mean, how do you make a movie about two men in a lighthouse on a remote island going insane and like playing off each other without doing the most? You yeah. just that is it that <laughs> the entire brief of this film is would you like to see two incredible actors just getting weird? And the answer is so yes. Weird. And yes, also please. like listen, we have to build to the moment where Pattinson fucks a mermaid, okay? Right. We have to build to that. <laughs> Did when Twilight came out, could anyone have imagined that he would uh reenact a line from The Lonely Islands, I'm on a boat? <laughs> T-Pain's, yeah, T-Pain says I'm fucking a mermaid. Okay. And uh but doing it in a black and white art film by one of the most exciting directors in uh current yes. horror. Uh Sign no, me up. we could not. Sign but me up. Hey. Have you ever wondered what does a mermaid's vagina look like? This film answers that question. Yeah. Uh, if you're looking for another uh, interesting take on sex with mermaids and sexualized mermaids, sure. I highly recommend The Lure. It's a Polish uh mermaid vampire movie oh. it's definitely uh two va- uh two mermaid sisters hook up with some gypsies and then end up as a uh, burlesque performers with a, a new wave band mm-hmm. at a at a warsaw strip club mm-hmm. sort of in the 80s okay um and then it gets weirder and grosser from there all right i'm in uh highly recommend yeah. yes uh but beyond that i mean i don't the cinematography is beautiful um the performances are wild it's a beautiful beautiful film do go see it in the movie theater. Go see it with an audience, too, because it's very funny. And, like, it was getting a lot of laughs in my theater, and I was like, this is just fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. The only reason I'm not, like, raving about it is because I wanted to talk about the other two films on my little list, which are Parasite and Jojo Rabbit, Yep, which just, at least in terms of, like, our culture and their context, I think are, are far richer to discuss Especially Jojo Rabbit because it's very divisive. Uh, but before we get to Jojo Rabbit, Parasite, my God. Uh. One of the best films, and listen, I, I hesitate to say this only because I know it's being built up so much. I stand by it. One of the best films I've ever seen. Yeah, <laughs> I would agree. It's yeah. so good. It is truly, I think, one of the, the most succinct reviews I've seen of it. And forgive me, I forget who wrote it or where it appeared, but someone called it a magic trick. Yeah. And it truly is. It's three different genres. It it starts as sort of like a quirky family comedy. And then it segues into like a heist film. And then it concludes as a horror film. Yep. And it's pretty damn seamless when it's segueing from genre to genre to genre. And I just love that because sort of like screenwriting 101 is you pick a genre and you stick to it and you mm-hmm. don't change horses mid-stride. I, I wouldn't trust anyone other than Bong Joon-ho no. to, do, uh, to do a movie like this, to no. tell a story like this, to just function. I mean, one of the things I loved most about it, and let's just put it out there that we're going to talk about it rapturously without giving you with trying to give as little away as possible. Yeah, I would say like if you I think the way to see it is to go in completely uh naive to like what the the content of it is or anything that happens. I went with a fr- I knew a little bit about it. I went with a friend who knew nothing and I think it really enhanced his yeah. <laughs> viewing of it. So if you don't want to know anything about Parasite, skip to the music cue when we get into bad news. But yeah, I guess we'll we'll try to we can do there's a lot we can yeah. get into i mean i think the things that i really adored i mean obviously if you've seen any of bong's other movies like snowpiercer or the host or mother he is always working within the framework of like revolutionary 
you know, he's an anarchist. He wants mm-hmm. to do class war. He's always talking about inequality and our anxieties around it and the systems that trap us within uh, this, you know, the sort of underclass and, and upper classes and, and what those tensions mean. And, you know, this is another one. And, yeah, basically from the trailer... You can see there's a family that's poor. They are definitely not doing well and struggling. There's and a wealthy family. The the son, the sort of 20-something son, uh, fakes credentials to become the tutor of the daughter in this wealthy family and then seems to slowly bring the rest of his family in to work for the wealthy family through a bunch of yes. uh, you know, uh, ruses. And, then and they ultimately um, completely invade yeah. <laughs> this home. Um, and then from there... Shit gets really crazy, Ooh, and, and that's an entertaining <laughs> enough movie. I I was just enjoying it the whole time, where I was like, "This is great." If this is what it is, and then it kicks into another gear, where I literally was sitting next to my friend, going, "Oh my god!" Out loud in the yeah. theater, there was a there was a woman in my screening uh, that was also doing that. Uh, she there's was sitting a right very, behind us. There's a very specific moment where it switches into horror, and it just is one of the most disturbing things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and what's amazing is that, yeah, there are parts that are incredibly tense and frightening and, and dramatic, but you, uh, I could tell what thing that things were being set up. You know, you, the movie is made in such a way that you can see him putting the building blocks together. Yes. You know, you have this sense of like, he's, he does give you a bit of a glimpse of, of the like Chekhov's gun situation yes. stuff, which which I so appreciated because I was yeah. like, it, it's so thoughtfully constructed that yeah. it's very satisfying by the so, end of it. But I also felt like the fact that he could tip his hand and let us in on the secret that he was putting pieces in place all along the way and everything that actually happened in the plot was still so unbelievably surprising yes. and uh and and powerful was like I don't know of another filmmaker maybe ever who's been able to kind of make things like to do that where yeah. you can actually like expose the artifice of being a filmmaker without being meta. I mean, just through the although it of is I, I love yeah. the the sun constantly saying it's a metaphor. It's, uh, it's so metaphorical, <laughs> which is, is like a wink that I thought was really charming yeah. and funny. Um, yeah, um, but it, it's just. I have not stopped thinking about it. Uh, I created, uh, I saw it the first weekend it was out. Uh, yeah, total brag. I definitely got tickets to the weekend that it was only playing at IFC. And it's managed. been really interesting uh, yeah. to see like how it's, the attention has been building for it, where it's yeah. like it, it had a very limited release, even mm-hmm. in here in New York. And then screening after screening started selling out in the city. And then so they released it a little wider. And I'm hoping it'll... I'm hoping everyone has an opportunity to see it because I think it's a really exciting film. It's an important film. It says uh, a lot about class. Yeah. I love how galaxy brain it is where it's sort of like the only <laughs> thing worse than rich people are class traders, you know? <laughs> yeah, there is a... <laughs> Which might be a spoiler, yeah. but hopefully you skipped ahead. So, and if you're a fan uh, of the podcast and you see the movie, I would be curious what people think of the ending. Uh, yes. Absolutely no spoilers, but I personally have heard from many people who have had several different readings, and I'm not sure what that says. Some t- part of me thinks that American audiences are just too stupid to get it. I agree. But uh, part of me also thinks that there that I can't tell if there's ambiguity that I don't was think intentional. Is. I, I don't think there was, is. but I think it's very clear what's happening at the end. I was listening to a podcast, very popular film podcast, where one of the hosts was a hundred percent convinced that w- the reading that we are we do not agree that with we do not correct. agree with was true. And I was like, I don't understand how an intelligent person can watch. Like, I'm sorry, I know that sounds mean, and like art is open to interpretation. To me, it was crystal clear what the no, intention no, no. was. This isn't like the end of Snowpiercer where you're like, oh, right. yeah, no, this is like, you know, there's a couple of different directions you could take it in, and either one work depending on exactly what you think about the concept of anarchism and the idea that you can fight the system by being a part of the system where mm. you can blow it all up and yep. what is the optimistic like is the optimistic reading that we've all destroyed ourselves and the world goes on or is it that there's a future for humanity? No, yep. I don't know. It's like okay, yeah. cool, you can you can have two different reads on that. Sure. But this is not like that. No, <laughs> not at all. Uh and I think it's his most 
artfully done film where where he conveyed his message, mm-hmm. which is about class, which is about um, yeah, even like how people within the same class treat each other. I, I think this mm. is his most cleverly written and executed yeah. film. Uh, I will do a, a plug for one of his older movies called Memories of Murder. Okay. Um, it's a sort of smaller town or sort of like not, they're not in Seoul. Like uh, there's a murder, there's an investigation. It's a police procedural, but it pulls in so many different threads. Uh, it has... I don't remember exactly when it came out. In some ways, it reminds me of Zodiac in oh, the okay. uh, the like the procedural element that doesn't give you the satisfying resolution, yes. but gets under your skin in these very ways. And it still plays with the same themes that he's been, uh, you know, toying with and and tweaking for years, uh, but through the lens of of like our law and order obsession, kind of. Sure, um, sure. But yeah. Also, it's it's worth saying that he's. I think one of the most, if not the most successful filmmaker in Korea right now. Like he's, I think, yeah, he's yeah, the his, most successful. Uh, yeah. And this was, uh, this might be one of the most successful movies of all time in South Korea. I think it the, made like yeah. $70 million. This will obviously like be Korea's uh, submission to the Oscars. Yeah. And it will win. And the only question is like, does it win awards that are not just the best foreign yeah. feature? And if there's any justice, it will, but the Oscars is the Oscars. It um, is a, uh, as, as, he as bong put it himself it's like a quaint little local awards show <laughs> it is that that's what it is it, it centers american films it doesn't represent the best films in the world by far <laughs> oh my god but could you imagine whatever version of the like fuck you um acceptance speech he could give oh i can't imagine i can't imagine that would be so exciting yeah he's not exactly the kind of person who would fit particularly comfortably at a uh, Vanity Fair Oscar party. No, certainly not. <laughs> I think that would be <laughs> hell for him. That'll be n- his next movie, him at the Vanity. Oh, <laughs> the nightmare <laughs> of trying to get out. It's like the Warriors, but you're just trying to get to your valet. Yeah. <laughs> I would watch that. That sounds really funny. Um, so then I guess let's talk about Jojo Rabbit because this is the most controversial film, I think, of the year. Uh, certainly the one most controversial one on my little list that I wanted to talk about. So... Even in, within my group of, of friends, where we're usually on the same page about films, this is such a divisive film. I have friends whose tastes I really trust who hated it. Yeah. Um, I loved it. I also loved it. I, I it texted great. you as soon as we got out of the movie. Uh, it, yeah, I thought... And, and like we should say, it's won audience awards. It's been mm. popular among... like people who see it. it seems like audiences critics like it. critics it. despise it they yeah. are convinced uh you know that it's empty it's ultimately the same sort of like everyone should just love each other holocaust movie sure. like treacle bait we can love our way out of this yeah so. and i felt you know and i get all of those things because mm-hmm. one of the my first thoughts was i started trying to think myself into not liking it as soon as the same. movie ended and it took me a while to accept that I just was going to go with the feeling of, oh, my God, I actually thought that was wonderful. I thought it was, <laughs> Yeah, I thought it was great. I thought it's, it's beautiful visually. The performances are wonderful. The kids are so good. I think it's very, very funny. Yeah. But even that's very divisive within the comedy community. There's some, really? Yeah, there's some, like, at least in my little UCB community, there's some people who were like, it's not funny. It, it's so weird. It's like usually even people with the same comedic sensibilities are divided on it. Yeah, and I mean, I guess, like, if you haven't heard about it, Jojo Rabbit is the story of a little 10-year-old boy who's in the sort of Hitler youth, and he's not popular and kind of a little bit of a he's, wimp. But He's, he's looking in, for a yeah. way to fit in. Yeah. And the way he decides he's going to fit in 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 this society is to become a Hitler super fan <laughs> yeah Hitler yeah. super fan um but which is an interesting I think the most interesting seed within the film is that idea which is and I I think it's it's well he, I mean that's incel culture it's incel like, culture it's reddit culture it's yeah. it's a lot of lost young men and it doesn't excuse them it doesn't say therefore you are blameless mm-hmm. it's saying you are to blame but we think we understand why you're doing this. And there's just, it, there's an explicit line within it where the, the little Jewish girl is, is telling this little Hitler youth, you're not a Nazi. You're just a lost little kid who was looking for a way to fit in. Yeah. And I think that's a really powerful message. Mm-hmm. And it is like, and I guess the fact that it was a comedy, or the, the, 
the fact that there was some edge to the comedy, but ultimately it, it was like fairly big hearted. I mean, like Taika Waititi is ultimately a very friendly filmmaker. Yes, Things are absolutely. very like you. It does have like a lot of heart and a lot of warmth. I he can't do the kind of satire that I think people have come to expect from Nazi movies. Like I'm not maybe, he, but he just wouldn't. I mean, you're right. not going to see the absurdity of the producers right. in in a movie like his because he doesn't he wants to do something different. And I thought like there was, and that also means that some of the Nazi characters do end up being humanized in a way that I think does get into to being problematic. I mean, Sam Rockwell plays this, you know, he's a very complicated character. Yeah. And you know, so you see, he's like, Oh, he's definitely kind of, he's definitely gay. He's, he's gay. definitely like, there's you know, a moment kind of too at the end where, I, I don't know a way to talk about this without spoiling it. So again, if you want to avoid spoilers for Jojo Rabbit, skip ahead right now to the music cue. Um, so he, yeah, he's gay. And um, Scarlett Johansson plays the little boy's uh, mother. Probably my least favorite part of the movie, honestly. Her character. I, I, I thought it really worked for me. Okay. It really, really yeah. worked for me. Um, she ultimately, it turns out that she is part of a resistance movement within Germany where they are hiding Jewish people. Um, and she is ultimately executed. And I think that reveal is beautiful. Yeah. Uh, Jojo's chasing a butterfly and they, the camera pans and you see her shoes because yeah. she's been hung and, and she's been dancing and all that stuff. And that yeah. was like, I just felt really like that was really manipulative because as soon as you like Fully, in the early, I, yeah. having said that it still worked for me, like, okay. I, like filmmaking is manipulation, but like it, it, it worked for me i think it like it was very satisfying um as fucked up as that is to say about someone being killed but there's a moment at the end where sam rockwell obviously the u.s troops invade uh they they take uh the pow's uh to execute them and sam rockwell it's like a complicated moment where he's talking to jojo and and he has a line where he's like your mother was a good person and i think in that moment we're supposed to Realize that this is not a bad person. This is a person who is gay and closeted and was doing anything he could do to survive. Yeah. That's a really complicated idea. And I don't know if you can really unpack it in a like comedy satire. Yeah. And it's a really quick moment. And I don't think it's, it ultimately really, really super pays off. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. I like... <sighs> I think Taika was trying to do a lot, and I think a lot of it was successfully done. Yeah. Was it perfect? No. But I really, really enjoyed the film. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is every time I deconstruct it and I can run through all of the moments I know didn't really work, that they they weren't, that I wish that he had done something differently, made a different choice, created an environment that allowed for a slightly, maybe not even a different outcome, but for things to run a little bit you know, more smoothly or, or seamlessly, it still had an enormous impact and I still like found myself completely compelled and fully moved in the entire way. And also yeah. like that's a credit to the actors. I thought the little boy who He's was the phenomenal. star is absolutely amazing and just so sweet. And his little buddy oh, who's this God. like chubby little boy I just in wanted these big more round glasses. Them. I thought I thought their dynamic was so good. I'll say this. Uh, Scarlett Johansson manages to get herself canceled every day. I thought she was magic in this film. I thought she was really l wonderful. I just, I had like, I got, I, it was weird flashbacks to when Gwyneth Paltrow was in, like, Royal Tenenbaums. I was just like, why is Margot Tenenbaum hiding juice? <laughs> um, A lot of people criticize the, the palette of the film, that it looks very Wes Anderson. I mean, how, that is not surprising to me whatsoever. Taika mm -hmm. Waititi has that. But also, like, I saw Thor Ragnarok. The, everything it's was going to be colorful. It's going to yeah. be candy colored. Yeah. Um, we haven't actually talked about him playing imaginary hitler. hitler which is my like just undeniably a wonderful part of the I, movie i at the the cheery little hi hitlers i thought mm. we were so funny hail me hail <laughs> me uh yeah but i will say this and i haven't seen many critics talk about this so one of the central criticisms of the film is that he has made hitler charming yeah Again, this is the, an imaginary friend of a little boy, so of course he would be charming. He would yeah. be a buddy that he could rely on. But there's a turn at the end where he becomes very scary. Yeah. And and mean, and ultimately JoJo kicks him through a window, and he yeah. says, fuck off, Hitler, which is a great moment. My audience clapped. Um, but, like, I think he does reveal at the end where, like, you're not supposed to like Hitler. <laughs> no. And it is, you know, we can't pretend like millions of people 
didn't also like him. I, I mean, mean, the, the beginning of the film the charisma is, is important the, to this whole thing. There's and this brilliant yeah. opening of the film where it's showing the like beetle level response that Hitler got. Yeah, the the German version of uh, it's I want to hold your hand, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, the the Beatles, I want to hold your hand, uh, playing over a bunch of Lenny Riefenstahl clips, like actually work brilliant. extremely well. It's so brilliant. But it's like, yeah, this dude, Hitler, this dude, Hitler, <laughs> was a rock star. Yeah. So it would make sense that a little boy mm-hmm. would idolize him, that this would be his hero, and his imagination of him would be like, this is my best friend. And as his uh, understanding of the world becomes more nuanced and he has to bring in like square reality against what he has just like been taught and what he want had wanted to believe before of course the care like his imaginary friend is going to start to become a little bit more needy a little bit weirder Scary. a little bit meaner yeah and you know that it's like as he changes you see him for what he is when he finally tells him to fuck off and punches him through a window yeah and that's like if you've got to have, and also it's Taika Waititi, he's half Maori, half Jewish. Like the dude is having fun by getting to play Hitler. Like that's a fuck you to Hitler. Absolutely. I mean, that's a fuck you to any colonizing people who otherize a minority is I really what I think the heart of that film is. And anybody who thinks that Taika Waititi was like approvingly showing the 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 xenophobia the whatever towards jewish people i at no point did i think he was like making jewish jokes to make fun of jewish people no but that is a reading that a lot of critics have had where they're like it's anti-semitic it's using the all of the caricatures of jewish people as as laughs and it's like Here's the thing. We can never, artists can never control why an audience will laugh. Mm -hmm. That's not their job. But for me, Taika Waititi is 100% on the side of the oppressed. Yeah. And I think that's very clear in this Mm -hmm. movie. Um, Yeah. Also, the the young woman who plays the Jewish girl who's hiding in in JoJo's house um, is Thomas McKenzie, who was in... Leave No Trace, mm-hmm. uh, Deborah Granick's movie about uh, from I think last year with uh, also starring Ben Foster about a father and child who were living in the woods in the Pacific Northwest and then uh, sort of off the grid, but then also right. like having to reintegrate back into society. She plays the daughter. Mm. Uh, truly spectacular movie, especially if you are someone who is concerned about why female filmmakers don't get to do more sure these uh it's an example of a film that's just one of the most incredible things i've seen and uh one of the most like it's a great cutting analysis of community and class and shit and also more people should see it so yeah. watch that, her that, that. Is <laughs> the, that is like the bummer of my little list here which is like again such an exciting time for filmmaking for filmmakers um i'll do directors yeah oh god i wish i could there are a couple of really interesting weird uh movies that have been made by women uh recently but we can i just can't remember the uh at least not all white dudes on my little list yeah (laughs) we'll do it um but yeah have you seen any of these films do you have any thoughts hashtag light trees and pod uh if there's any other films you think we should be checking out right now tweet the show we love hearing from you on that note everyone it's that time of the show let's all hold hands and cry here's your bad news Okay, let's talk about the dreaded cancel culture and specifically this incident at uh, the Actors Hour uh, where a bunch of uh, performers, comedians were invited to perform at the Actors Hour, which is uh, organized by Alexandra Lala... Well, how do you say her name? Lala Berte? Yeah. Uh, and that included... Um, uh, what is her name? Uh, Kelly Bachman was one of the comedians who performed there. And it turns out Harvey Weinstein was in the fucking audience. Yeah, and we he was this invited. Was in, at a, a club in the Lower East Side of New York City. Yeah. So we're talking Manhattan, like middle of what everyone seems to think would be the, the worst place in the world for surely, a bad man to show up. Surely Harvey Weinstein won't uh, yeah, scuttle out into the public there, but he did. So uh, Kelly Bachman 
performed and she said, I think we should address the elephant in the room. Uh, and she said, just a general fuck you to the Freddy Krueger in the room. And uh, she was booed. Yeah. Oh, um, she also said, I didn't realize I needed to bring a rape whistle in mace to yeah. a, to an open mic. There was also another, uh, there was an actor there named Zoe Stuckless who uh, really uh, started like shouting yeah. <laughs> and like pointing at him and saying like, that they should kick him out, and then they uh, ultimately threatened to kick her out. So she said, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go. But yeah, so um, Kelly was booed when she was on stage. Um, and it was this really revealing moment where, you know, we've heard a lot about cancel culture, woke culture, how um, those of us who say women shouldn't be raped are so mean to the rapists, mm. and why don't we give the rapists a chance? And um, how how dare we be rude to people who have uh, have been accused slash exposed for terrible, terrible behavior, ter terrible acts. Yep. We don't even need to call them crimes, terrible acts. Mm -hmm. uh, how dare we be mean to him before he's been convicted of any crime? Right. We still, they, where is the due process in the fact, and I said, I don't know, I didn't realize that due process applied to... Uh, uh, salon culture. Meredith, it is Harvey Weinstein's constitutional right to go to the actor's hour. It's yeah. in the constitution. So at first, like Alexandra and the actor's hour tried to claim that Harvey Weinstein wasn't invited, but then lo and behold, it turns out like he was invited. He's there regularly. Yeah. Also, this is supposed to be an artist and creators only <laughs> event. So the fact that he was just hanging out, kind of scoping the talent yep. uh, was its own thing you know he got special treatment in that way mm -hmm. uh I was in, and yeah oh and his do we have in there the statement that his PR person put out in response because yeah, I really sure. felt like the the Weinstein side reaction to this was some of the well, most disgusting Lala, Lala apology of sorts uh she wrote as always I welcome and encourage an open dialogue between myself and the community when I did not receive any feedback on his presence, I chose not to turn him away when he returned. I was subsequently not prepared to handle such a high-energy situation. I am deeply saddened that this was not only triggering for attendees, but that they ultimately felt unsafe, some even outraged, when a safe environment is, at its core, what I set out to create. Creating an environment that is at once safe but also leaves open forum for free speech is an extremely fragile endeavor. It's like, just free speech, Meredith. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize that being a rapist in public was a part of free speech. Well, it is, so don't mm -hmm. you feel dumb. Uh, yeah, this also happened the same week that Louis C.K. announced that he was going back on tour, which just Isn't it fun so times. weird how all these mean feminists keep getting people canceled and then they go on tour and make a bunch of money? It's like, how dare we have a problem with them re-entering polite society? <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, it just goes to show, like, the Me Too culture obviously is is great because um, a lot of victims have come forward and, um, you know, started this dialogue about predatory men who have for decades uh, preyed on vulnerable people and been protected by huge institutions like NBC News. Oh, um, boy. And it's a really important conversation we're having, but the fear surrounding yeah. it is obviously so absurd because it's like, if all of these dudes were truly once and for all getting canceled, they would not be going to comedy shows on the Lower East Side and feeling very safe doing so. so. But also, we're talking not about someone who made a gross joke and ended up, you know, the victim of a Twitter pylon or someone who, you know, these, you know, these mythical unicorn men who like went on a date and were total gentlemen and then are accused of, of some sort of misconduct. We are talking about two examples of the worst consistent behavior. He's a monster. Harvey Weinstein's yeah. a fucking monster. Matt Lauer is fucking a monster. monster yeah. uh, the idea that these people have been quietly cultivating returns to the fold because before Catch and Kill came out, Matt Lauer had been working very carefully and very methodically. This was chronicled in lots of different outlets at trying to have a comeback that yes. saying he was, he was, you know, chagrined and cowed and finally knew the error of his ways this is like, these are the examples of people 
that everyone else cites as, well, but I, what I did wasn't a Weinstein thing. Right. So why, like, you know, we shouldn't, we're being too harsh. It's like, but you can't have it both ways. You can't say, oh, things have gone too far because people who are not as bad as these guys are facing unreasonable consequences and then also get mad that people who are facing reasonable consequences for terrible behavior yeah. are, uh, you know, sometimes uncomfortable in public spaces. That's the thing. Like, so often we're not talking about, like, in the case of Harvey Weinstein, yes, we're talking about, like, dude should be in jail, right? Mm -hmm. But oftentimes we're just talking about, like, deplatforming people. Yeah. And again, it is not your constitutional right to have a comedy special. <laughs> like, sorry, it's not. No. N that sweet, sweet Netflix money is not a part of the Bill of Rights. And for the people who are like, but what is Louis C.K. supposed to do? And it's like, fucking go wait tables. Like, first of all, he doesn't have to do that because he's so wealthy. Yeah. But... Like, why are they acting like having, like, a comedy specialist is only means of income? It's yeah. like, go fucking work elsewhere, dude. <laughs> yeah. Or, I don't know, just, like, invest your money and be a rich dude like everyone else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just so bizarre that these little fanboys feel like people are taking bread from Louis C.K.'s mouth when it's like, no, what we're saying is that he shouldn't have a platform because he's a fucking predator. Mm -hmm. But... No I one's mean, saying dude should like go yeah. to prison. We're upset that major uh major live arenas are willing to book him and pay him large amounts of money to perform. The fact that people still are willing to pay for that does not mean that it needs to happen. We're not like uh this isn't a market thing where he's like, you're not obligated to provide something <laughs> when it happens to come along with something morally reprehensible. Like <laughs> right, we're right. not like obligated to smoke cigarettes. Like, <laughs> yeah, the market still wants them. We know they're bad, but like there's, you know, we don't protect Philip Morris. I mean, actually we do, but maybe this is part <laughs> of it. Uh, oh, can I just yes. add one more thing? Yeah, absolutely. How come there's so little discussion of that time in the nineties where Jerry Seinfeld dated a high school student? Can we talk about that? Can we talk about the fact that he um, stole her from her mother's home and they moved in together? Oh, I didn't. I didn't actually know that much. I remember, like they, and it was just covered in People magazine, like a cute thing. Like he would be like picking her up from high school. Like that is some straight up Woody Allen shit. Well, she was on the set of Seinfeld, right? And he saw her. Yeah. And yeah, but she was living with her parents at the mm -hmm. time because she was very young. We it was just like before Me Too, so we don't really talk about it. But it he was is like 1997. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've, I'm just gonna point this out. Also, who could have known that Ben Affleck was gonna turn out to be a sleazebag because he dated her after Seinfeld? I'm shocked. I'm personally shocked. Uh, but yes, I I feel like we talk about all of these things, and it's just so clear when you start teasing some of these strands back to like earlier ports that like there's still so much stuff that we just sort of look at and lord knows that's probably its own thing and i have plenty of feelings about you know young women's agency when they're 16 17 years old and and making cho life choices yeah. about this stuff it's not it's not a judgment uh, them, yeah. it is but it is like that is a time when it is your uh, responsibility as a grown-ass adult to not date teenagers and yeah i think men need to know that sometimes when you are a 16 year old uh teenager girl you think you're an adult and you think you have agency and then it's not until like years later you look back and you're like oh fuck and you can still have very good uh memories of all of it and recognize mm -hmm. that oh there was a lot of stuff that i was not yep really i didn't have the capacity to think through in these ways but you know, yeah. that's just weird. Also, shout out to the digital team or the NBC digital uh, newsroom for unionizing this week yeah. and citing uh, NBC's complete and total mishandling of sexual misconduct within the company uh, as one of the things they were unionizing in order to fight. That is just like two of my favorite things in one place. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so also in bad news... Let's talk about uh, al-Baghdadi and Trump's little fucking bizarre speech about it. So, as everyone knows by now, uh, the United States uh, attacked a compound where uh, Abu al-Baghdadi was hiding 
uh, with his family, and he was ultimately uh, killed in uh, supposedly the, of the official U.S. story is that he blew himself up. Yeah. Now, I think a really important part of the story that maybe we're not talking about en enough is that this has not been corroborated by anyone else. No, the and well, and also like even within the U.S. government details that Trump mentioned during his truly unhinged announcement. It was wild. Uh, it was like his not fan, been corroborated. In it was like way. his fan fiction version of what happened, which yeah. is that Baghdadi was like huddling behind his children crying and then ultimately blew him and his uh, his family up um and then there was this very strange details of like the dogs who led them to Baghdadi and uh Trump was like posting a photo of the dog yep. and uh ultimately posted this photoshopped image of him putting the medal of freedom yeah on the dog a, i had a daily wire watermark on it i don't know if you saw <laughs> they didn't even get rid of the daily wire oh my uh, god yeah truly truly special. wild <laughs> but yeah i mean again no other foreign intelligence agency has been able to corroborate any of the details of this story so i mean but in that way it, it's very reminiscent of osama bin laden yeah those final minutes uh no one will ever know what really happened uh we have the version that you know are we you have telling me that zero dark 30 <laughs> isn't completely and 100 percent accurate we have the the documentary zero dark <laughs> 30 that tells us what happened yeah we always have like the u.s propaganda version of everything which is the coward was like huddling behind his wives in the last moment and blah 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 we found pornography on his computer you know like they 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 desecrate desecrate the the enemy in every way they can, right? Yeah. But ultimately, we'll never know yeah. if that's true or not. Also, worth pointing out that one of the reasons, one of the good reasons why so much of this is impossible to corroborate or ever know, is that Trump almost torpedoed the operation by announcing that the U.S. was going to withdraw from Syria or right. withdraw from, uh, you know, helping the Kurds from leaving the yeah. region to, uh, because you know. Fuck our allies. Sure. They're fine. Uh, That's how we roll, yeah. baby. <laughs> yeah. These are like, they're just little, you know, they're not great guys. They're kind of like stupid. Didn't he call them dogs too? It doesn't matter. He calls everyone dogs. Yeah. I don't know what his beef with dogs is. Also, uh, I read on my way over here that he is uh, telling people privately that he's upset that the dog is getting more attention than he is for the <laughs> He's going to have the, the dog raid. killed. He's going to have <laughs> the dog killed. Uh, I love that he had to pretend he liked a dog. Trump has like this weird thing. Here's the thing. Never trust anybody who didn't have a pet growing up. Right. That's weird. But he calls all of his enemies dogs. He has a weird thing against dogs. And I think finally someone was like, it's weird. Everybody thinks you're weird because you hate dogs. Say something nice about the dog that found the terrorist. And he was like, okay. And they put up that ridiculous Photoshop job. But now I bet he will have that dog killed because oh it's getting God. more attention than him. That's my conspiracy, everyone. Uh, uh, yeah. So we are in, we've gone fully through whatever disaster looking glass and, um, who knows? I think it's just bad. Yeah. It's just bad all around. It's and we can say that because we're in the bad news section. I guess we should talk about Ukraine and Rudy and Devin Nunez and all of that wild should shit that's we? going on right now. I mean, I guess we should. We can yeah. quickly like recap what's going on. Fair. So Rudy Giuliani, what does one even say? Is like having a I guess he's been a slow motion train wreck for a while now. Oh, he's been on one for years. I mean, yeah. come on. Um but he is now embroiled in this scandal with Ukrainian politicians and this uh, this hit job on the Bidens. But he is now pretty clearly was directly involved. Uh -huh. um, and the update with Devin Nunez is apparently a top aide to Devin Nunez has been providing conservative politicians and journalists with information and also misinformation about the anonymous whistleblower who triggered the whole uh, crisis within Trump's presidency. So and Nunez is the ranking Republican yeah. on the House Intelligence Committee. So this is a guy with access to a lot of information. My question, though, is and I was I was just, I'm going to get to this in the good news section, because anytime I'm like. This administration is as corrupt as it can get, and nothing ever happens, and therefore nothing ever will. Anytime I start to really believe that, something else comes out about, like, Giuliani, like, butt-dialing someone. Oh, God, yeah. And I'm like, 
okay, maybe something ultimately they'll be forced to contend with this because it's so bad. I I don't know. I have so many. I mean, given the way that Republicans are talking about impeachment and just speaking that there is abs- it's a coup that it's illegitimate because he was duly elected and so therefore he can't be impeached as if that is a thing that has ever been true mm. in the history of the United States. Right. Like yeah. I thought the whole point, the whole reason that impeachment exists as a process uh, is to remove duly elected officials from their positions within a system that actually uh, makes sense and has some, you know, they, they, that it's not a coup. Right. Like impeachment is how you have not a coup. Right. <laughs> <laughs> impeachment is not a coup. That's our t-shirt. <laughs> impeachment is not a coup, everyone. Uh, yeah, and I don't have a lot to say about Giuliani or Nunez other than I just can't believe the level of corruption. No. And just like in the open. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, I mean, that's obviously the White House's strategy to deal with all of this now where they just, they deny, they deny, they deny. Then they admit they did it and they say, and it's not a big deal. Yeah. And then continuing to try and hold accountability yeah. is is a, well, why is this, you, you're staging a witch hunt. Also, does no one, they don't understand what a witch hunt is. Do don't, they, you, don't you talk about witches. Do they, do they think the witches are the ones doing the hunting? I think maybe they do. They think the witches are coming for them. Yeah. I don't know. So they think it's like hocus pocus, but. <laughs> but scary. <laughs> yeah. Very scary. Uh, I don't know. I mean, Bette Midler was in it. That's pretty scary. Guys, <laughs> on the note of hocus pocus, here is your good news. <laughs> So, obviously, I put in the good news section uh, the fact that House investigators now appear to be moving on to this next phase in the impeachment inquiry, and they've started handing out uh, subpoenas, and and they're saying that they're going to move forward even as those subpoenas are ignored, Mm -hmm. because, again, that's the White House strategy, where they're like, okay, we see your subpoenas, we're still not coming in, but Democrats have signaled that they're still going forward with it, and again... I never, ever want to praise Democrats on this show. Definitely not after this week. But I will say that it's so the level of corruption is so high. I think it's like forcing the Democrats to do the right thing. Yeah. At this point, it is so clear that they can't. There's no way to pretend. Yeah, if there was any way they could ignore it, they would. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Nancy Pelosi made that super clear. She was like, I will just keep ignoring this. And then it got impossible to ignore. And she had to contend with it. And everyone was like, so hashtag brave. And it's like, no, she just literally could. It was not feasible for her to ignore it anymore. Yeah. And also, there's not... It's not like the House and the Senate have been doing anything. You know, They're not ignoring other critical work or they're not ignoring it more by actually at least they're doing something as opposed to fighting each other and then voting down decent bills while passing uh while confirming wildly unqualified justices uh judges to Mm. different uh federal benches um this this isn't a this isn't an upgrade in in activity you know fighting over impeachment is better than what we've been doing before and i guess if there's like one positive out of the whole trump presidency it's that it gives the left a giant target to focus on yeah. which is anything the trump administration is doing is bad right mm-hmm. <laughs> like they're they're literally working on nothing good for the world right now yeah. and so far that has been completely borne out by all evidence right yeah uh so also in good news i wanted to talk about trump getting booed uh at game five of the world series the video of it is truly incredible where you see him in real time smiling clapping and then slowly figuring out that everyone is booing him yeah and i wonder what happens in the mind of someone who has a borderline personality disorder sociopath whatever you want to call trump and i know people don't like those terms to be thrown around but someone who clearly has mental stuff going on i wonder what happens in the mind of someone like that when he just lives in a bubble all day where people Mm. He watches Fox and Friends, and they're like, you're doing great, Mr. President. And he's like, I'm doing great. And he's and surrounded he, by yes men who are like, you're doing great. And he's like, thank you. And then he goes to game five, and people boo him. What 
is happening in his mind. Yeah. And I, I frankly don't want to spend any time in there. So yeah. I, I guess I wouldn't want to know. <laughs> fair, but fair. Uh, I, yeah, it just seems like probably somehow it's. I'm sure he rationalizes it where he's you know, like, well, you know, or he says this is, tr-, you know, it, it, uh, it ends up like he loves the attention. But then as soon as he realizes it's negative, it becomes I love the attention because it's one more thing I can get angry about. Mm. And these people are terrible and I need to stand up for real know, Americans. Yes. This yeah. Is like, these are not real Americans because <laughs> they all live in Washington. And They're imposter Americans. Yeah. yeah. But wanted to shout out everybody who booed him and was chanting lock him up and impeach Trump from the crowd. Good work everyone yeah. again uh like we were talking about harvey weinstein uh donald trump another rapist um should never have a moment of peace in public no so uh always yell impeach trump at him even when he's not the president anymore <laughs> so i mean hopefully there will be a day when he's not president anymore um so also in good news i wanted to talk about the fading of joe biden Bye bye, Uncle Joe. Bye, Uncle Joe. Please don't touch us on your way out. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, obviously, polls are fickle. It's so early in. It's not early anymore. Unfortunately, in America, it's not early anymore. Other countries watch our presidential elections and are like, what is happening? Why are you talking about it so early? (laughs) Britain's having another election and it's happening in December. So think about how many elections they'll have had by the time we get to ours. That is so wild. It is wild in the UK right now, everybody. Uh, so, but I did want to talk about the Iowa race because it is a bellwether for the rest of the election. And it's been really interesting what's been happening where Joe Biden was clearly the front runner, yeah. had the most brand recognition. And now in most polls, he is fading. Yeah. Which is great because uh, I have not made it a secret that I hate Joe Biden. <laughs> I also think he's a terrible candidate and the worst kind of candidate to be running in this moment right now. Oh, he absolutely is. Um, but but according to the demographics where he is still the overwhelming favorite is 65 plus. Oh, you mean the people, the only people that can be counted on to vote? Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I tweeted sort of tongue in cheek that people over 65 shouldn't be able to vote. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, we say that about young people, right? Why can't young yeah. people vote? But very old people can. Um but yeah, it's it's telling, right, that he is leading only in that category. Yeah. Other candidates that are making huge gains: Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, Pete Buttigieg. Boo. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I despise Pete Buttigieg. He, I have. Yeah. I I think I, I like seeing his name fills me with a rage that is deeply irrational, given. I don't know. It just the idea that someone my age, I mean, he's a few months older than me, is out here spewing corporate centrist nonsense and people like him because he's clean cut and like, you know, diverse because he's like a boring gay dude. Like, I'm sorry. He's a safe gay man. Yeah. And and people feel progressive supporting him. Yeah. I first of all, when you said he's a few years older than you, that blew my mind because he acts like a 50 year old man. Um he it's so funny like hearing (laughs) gay men in my community how much they hate pete Buttigieg Mm -hmm. for all the reasons you just named which is he is a centrist who happens to be gay yeah but it's like i don't know he uh, he's awful he's awful (laughs) but yes it is a massive slap in the face to my friends that went through the experience of coming out in the midwest in the 90s like as teenagers yeah. who actually like busted their asses to try and educate the shitbags at our high school in our communities that that they were human beings and that homophobia was not okay and lived openly at a time when it was deeply risky i mean before matthew shepherd and now everyone you know and and he's out here spewing this kinds of policies that uh you know that it sounds like they're coming straight out of bill clinton don't ask don't tell era yeah um, and it, it just really bothers me because I think that, like, yes, the world has not progressed as far as we would like it, but I am offended that we are willing, you know, potentially willing to go backwards in this way, especially when we have better options with people that are, like, could bring us, like, into the future or try yeah. and move us forward. 
Yeah, absolutely. But uh, I consider the the fading of Biden good yeah. news. Oh, also in good news, there was a uh, tweet on Halloween from Elizabeth Warren of her dog Bailey in his Halloween costume. Oh my god! That is the purest thing. Aww. He's dressed up as the two cent. He's two cents, as in he's a representation of the wealth tax. <laughs> of course he is. Of course he uh, is. And so she's petting him, and he's so happy, and he's like. The perfect Aww. golden retriever. Uh, and then uh, going back yeah. to my dog theory. <laughs> yeah. That's how you can tell somebody's a good person. Do mm-hmm. dogs like them? Yeah. So also I wanted to shout out the <gasps> protesters yes. in downtown Brooklyn on Friday evening who staged a protest against police brutality from the NYPD. Against in, people beating fares and uh, yeah. uh, like in the subway. Jumping so the turnstile, yeah. um, not not paying to get on the subway because if you are unfamiliar with the MTA situation here in New York City, uh, fares keep going up even as wages are declining and people are losing their jobs. Um, a lot of students struggle to get to school because they yeah. need to ride the trains. Also, in a lot of places where people are the poorest, the trains just don't fucking work. They suck. They constantly are delayed if they're running at all. The stations are falling apart. There's uh, fewer than 25% of all of the stations in the city have any access, like are accessible to people with disabilities. It's an absolute nightmare. nightmare. It's a total nightmare. But instead of fixing the damn trains, we have now, we're paying how many millions of dollars to extra in, uh, to staff up uh, police in the subways yes. to arrest people, all black and brown, for uh, skipping out on the 275, and have also been installing surveillance cameras in uh, subway stations at chill. every single turnstile Very chill. to make sure we can identify these nightmare fare beaters. Yeah, uh, I'll never forget uh, a few years ago, a, a black kid in Brooklyn jumped the turnstile and they sent two police helicopters after him, mm-hmm. which is well, a very uh, reasonable response to a teenager uh, being terrified and running from the cops. Well, and, and last weekend, uh, an entire train was terrorized because multiple police yeah, uh, pulled their weapons uh, and pointed them at a dude who was not resist who was sitting had his hands up yeah had his hands up and yeah. was sitting completely still uh, at a station and they arrested him for fair beating again um, oh also they tased a teenager didn't they mm-hmm. uh, we're talking like me- like levels of violence that are unacceptable for any police encounter over two dollars and 75 cents yeah well let alone that this is what we're spending time on i mean this is just straight back to broken windows but yes hundreds of people swarming in jumping jumping Turn the turnstiles and then uh making very noise. reminiscent of was that venezuela uh chile chile yeah there was like a viral video of uh same deal fares had um increased and there was a protest um yeah just protesting the lack of accessibility to public transportation for poor people very reminiscent of that there are videos on twitter of people jumping the turnstiles to protest not only this this class war but also police violence um in response to the class war and those two so often go hand in hand yeah um, but yeah, I wanted to shout out the hundreds of protesters who turned out to downtown Brooklyn. Knew something was going on because I had a rehearsal and one of the actors was late. And she's like, something's happened at J Street. And I was like, oh boy, <laughs> I can't wait to go home and <laughs> Google what happened. And it was this. Um, but yeah, y'all are awesome. Mm-hmm. It's only going to keep happening. Oh, absolutely. This is not This is not the end. This is not going to stop. Um, the idea that we're... It, it's just on its face, the dumbest, most wasteful use of human and financial resources. Also a perfect cocktail for social revolution. It's like, oh, so not only are you shitting on the poor people with these fare increases, now you're just going to beat them and tase them? And like, what do you think's going to happen? Yeah. And, you know, I personally look forward to giving a giant middle finger to the cops as I swipe someone in. Uh, oh, like, so yes. also right, guys, swipe it forward. Swipe it forward. So if you see people just standing by the turnstiles, here's what you can do as you're exiting the train. And obviously, this is always like if you feel safe, if it's not like two o'clock in the morning, especially if you're a woman by yourself, I get why you just want to get home. But if you see people waiting for the turnstile, what you can do is have your card out already. Just get into the habit of already having it out. And as you walk out, sort of just hold it up. And sometimes mm-hmm. they'll nod. Yeah. And you can swipe them in. That's 100% legal. Yeah. No one should give you shit for doing it it's you paid for that card you can pay it forward yeah uh and also that goes for any public transit system
system that you are utilizing, not just mm -hmm. in New York City. Consider, um, you know, ways, you know, look into it, obviously, and then look into to ways that you can help make sure that people who are struggling financially have access to public transit if they need it. Yeah, but, like, let's just take care of each other because mm -hmm. especially if you have a monthly, it's not costing you anything. Um, I have a monthly. No big deal. <laughs> but, like, you know, it takes one second and you can um, – protect somebody from being assaulted by the cops yeah. so do that if you can guys please follow meredith on twitter at meredith l clark how's rosie <gasps> rosie's okay i miss her i know she's still the world's perfect little furworm i didn't get her a halloween costume this year so okay. i failed no you didn't um, fail but she continues to be a wonderful little creature in I love the light it. of my life. I'm glad she's thriving. Uh, guys, please follow me on Twitter at Allison Kilkenny. Follow the show, Light Treason Pod, on Twitter. We also are on Facebook, Instagram, all those good places. If you have any thoughts, questions, concerns, hashtag Light Treason Pod on Twitter. Thanks so much for all the support and for listening and for telling your friends about the show. That's nice too. And while you're at it, Get out there and cause a little trouble. <laughs> <laughs>